everybody. Welcome to Mining Stock Daily. It's Friday, and uh, we're trying to get back in the groove here. That means it's uh, time for an in-depth interview. We've had so many interviews uh, aired this week uh, from all the content discussions we had from both VRIC and the Roundup Conference last week in Vancouver. Thanks for tuning in. And you know, we're not done. <laughs> there's, there's more content to share even next week. Uh, but this is going to be the only piece we share today. We actually had the opportunity to sit down with Derek White, who's the CEO of Ascot Resources, to talk about the uh, premier project up there in the Golden Triangle. Uh, a lot of eyes on the stock here in the last few weeks and a lot of good drill results. So uh, it was good to catch up with Derek. So before we get into that discussion, I do want to thank our sponsors for Mining Stock Daily. That includes Corvus Gold, Integra Resources, Pacific Empire Minerals, and Western Copper and Gold. Thank you so much for your support. If you would like to engage the show, please be sure to drop me an email, trevor at clearcreekdigital.com. Always happy to take your questions and inquiries and comments. And uh, it's always really nice to when people reach out and and uh, just drop me a note, say that they listen every morning. So I appreciate that very much. Special thanks to the Junior Mining Network for uh, airing all of our shows. Glad, glad that can be in partnership. Fantastic resource for all the press releases every morning. Make sure you go check out their website if you haven't done so already. And now that I'm thinking about it, please be sure to listen to Mickey Fulp and I as we give the Metals Money Markets Weekly uh, podcast out on Kitco every Friday. That's going to come out uh, this afternoon, Friday afternoon after the market close. You can always find that at Kitco.com. It's always a good time to chat with the mercenary geologists to see what the numbers uh, ended up the week with. And this week was certainly interesting, wasn't it? All right, so let's get to the conversation with Derek. Thank you so much for tuning in. Without further ado, here's Derek White from Ascot Resources. Welcome back to Mining Stock Daily. This is Trevor Hall from the Association for Mineral Exploration Roundup 2020. And now I'm welcome. I'm happy to welcome a new guest to the show. That's Derek White. He's the president and CEO of Ascot Resources. Ascot trades on the TSX with the symbol AOT and also on the OTCQX market for those friends in the U.S. with AOTVF. They have a very interesting project, and we're going to kind of cover that. It's basically four deposits feeding one mill that uh, it's not necessarily being optimized, but we will. They, they do plan on getting it back up and running. Um, but Derek. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, giving us a new, uh, like a brief update of what Ascot's been accomplished in the last year. And uh, there's certainly been a lot of eyes on the stock in the last few weeks. Hi, Trevor. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Um, you know, Ascot's strategy is really not that complicated. Um, we um, inherited, I guess, a 3,000 ton a day mill and related infrastructure near Stewart, BC, or Hyder, Alaska. And in this part of the world, um, infrastructure is pretty expensive because of the mountainous terrain. And the idea here was to feed that mill with high-grade deposits, and there happened to be four um, areas where there's deposits of high-grade close to the mill that we, we, can, we can feed this mill. And to give you an idea, um, you know, our, we just put out a new resource uh, a, a, couple, a couple days ago, um, and we have, uh, roughly speaking, around 8 grams a ton uh, gold grades. And that allows us to produce in the neighborhood of around 200,000 ounces a year. And we like this opportunity because not only do we have a lot of exploration side, we have around 25,000 hectares uh, close to the town of Stewart, um, but we also ha have the ability to sort of back that up with a mine plan for a reasonable sized gold mine. And because the grades are pretty high and the capital cost is quite low, 
um, we're feeling pretty optimistic. And the coming events really for us, um, and, and, and in continuation of 2019, it was when we started roughly two years ago, it was to get a high-grade resource, and we were shooting for um, at least you know two million ounces of mineable plant, and then maybe another million ounces of um, indicated resources that we could grow from. And I think we've really kind of achieved that over the last year. The last step of that was the infill drilling that completed at, at last September. And we did 53,000 meters of drilling, and that allowed us to... Uh, to get that resource up. And the next really big milestone for us is to release the feasibility study because unlike a lot of greenfield projects, um, this was the largest gold mine in North America for about 30 years. It was owned by the Guggenheim family and um, shut down and then got restarted as an open pit and a new mill was built in 1990. That got shut down and we're really just refurbishing that. So our time frame to production, uh, the cost of capital to get the mine started is a fraction of what it normally would be. I want to ask you about the dr latest drill results because I mean th those were some high grade numbers. Can you walk us through some of those uh, some of those results? Sure. Um, so there's um, there, the, the four deposits that sort of surround the mill. Um, three of them are located on what we call the premier group of property uh, or properties, and um, the other one is located at the former IDM's Red Mountain. And each one of the deposits is a little bit different. Um, in the premier mine, um, you know, really we, we were drilling into an area called the Prue Zone um, and we were hitting sort of that 8 to 10 gram material and we were really looking for continuity um, to bring it into the mine plan. And in addition, um, there's an area um, a little bit to the south of the, of the premier project where we were actually planning to do geotechnical drilling for looking at a portal uh, access. And we also hit some sort of 10 to 15 gram material. Oh, um, shucks. <laughs> yeah. So it sometimes goes to show you, you know, when you think you're doing uh, engineering drilling, you're really doing exploration. Right. Um, and vice versa. So that, you know, that, that mine historically was a very, very high grade mine. And what we're finding as we go to the west, um, we're getting an extension of that mineralization. Um, and so uh, right now we feel pretty good about, about that and we want to do some follow-up drilling next summer to really move more to the west where we were doing that geotechnical drilling because we think there's quite a lot more to be added there. Um, the next deposit was a, a, a mine that ran in the 1990s and fed the mill with about 9 grams a ton. We acquired that in 2018. It's called the Silver Coin. It's about 5 kilometers from the mill. It has portal access so all areas have underground access that are ventilated and, um, and dewatered. And in this case um, we did some infill drilling and we were also able to find a core area with some pretty high grade. So we were talking, we had a couple drill holes where we were hitting uh, 8 to 10 meters of sort of, you know, 10 grams a ton, which was quite nice. Um, and really the job there was to take the historical drilling um, and add to it so that we could get a, a measured and indicated resource, which we've pretty well done it at Silvercoin. And then lastly, the Big Missouri was an area, the previous management was trying to build a big open pit. They had a, a, a resource that was done, I guess, in 2016 or 17. It was about uh, 90 million tons of low grade, but inside that low grade, there was a high grade envelope around the, what we call the S1 pit. And um, today we were able to put a resource of about 3 million tons of, you know, kind of eight grams. And really there's, it's a flat lying structure that's pretty accessible from the pit. Um, and it certainly got a lot of infill to go into the future. We did about 24,000 meters, but we hit a lot of, of intersections, and again, five to 10 meters wide of that sort of seven to 10 gram material. Well, and it, coming back to this hub and, hub and spoke idea, I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's a logical way to define what you're doing. You have the four deposits, one mill, uh, the deposits are basically surrounding the mill, so like just like a bike bicycle tire, it's going to be feeding the mill. But the interesting thing about this mill that you were uh, sharing uh, before before we started recording is, 
it's going to be fairly low capex because the infrastructure is already there. I mean, you just need to replace some parts. It's not like you're yeah. building the dang thing. So, you know, the things that we have really going for us are, number one, we have road access to Stewart. So it's about a 20-minute drive to Stewart. Or and Hyder. not everybody in the Golden Triangle has no road question. access. And, you know, the last, mil, the last mill of this size that was built was uh, Predium's Bruce Jack Mine. It's about 40 kilometers north um, from where we were. And... Um, you know, really, uh, that probably cost between 800 and a billion dollars to build. And so um, we're looking at a fraction of that cost. So what we have to do really to get this going, um, we have power that comes from Stewart, but we also had a brand new power plant put about 700 meters from the mill. So we have two power sources, we have roads, we have underground infrastructure. And Beleden that owned this uh, sold the ball mill and the sag mill. Um, uh, back in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, and really that's where we're replacing the grinding and crushing circuit. But to do that, we're just installing what was already there. There's no real design here, and we've had a construction group go inside, so in our feasibility study, unlike a normal Greenfields project, we're just refurbishing what was already there. Is, is there a road to Red Mountain? There is not a road to Red Mountain. So there's a highway, um, which is about 10 kilometers away, and uh, Red Mountain had put a five by five meter access in, but right now it, it, there is no road there. So right now what we're doing is applying for the road access. And so we hope to build that road. And generally the nice thing, you know, one of the things about the Golden Triangle, it, although it has spectacular grade, certain of the deposits are known for their nuggety effect, which means you can have spectacular grade. And the idea here is to diversify the mining risks. So by having four deposits, we don't have to have them all going at one time. Any two of these mines could feed the mill at 2,500 tons a day to 3,000 tons a day. And so the idea is to get going from the premier mines, get those started, um, feed the mill for two years, and then build the road and bring the, the, the ore in from Red Mountain. And why do we do that? It's because uh, the Red Mountain has one zone, and this is really more of a reserve now. Uh, they, that's, they're called the mark zone, which is 10 grams a ton. It's 16 to 40 meters wide, you know, very low mining cost, and it obviously can really help our NPV. And so in year three of the mine plan, we want to bring that material in and we'll adapt the mill. It's a finder grind, but we, we feel pretty good about that. Okay. Uh, the feasibility study, the work that's going on now, I mean, this is a full bankable feasibility Correct. study, but you didn't do a PEA. Well, we, we started out, um, you know, so you have to remember, this is a little different than a, a Greenfields project. So sure. we've had 100 years of mining history here. Um, and we were originally talking about doing a PEA and mixing it together when we acquired the Red Mountain asset. That already had a feasibility study. And so we had an idea of um, putting a feasibility study out on upgrading Red Mountain and then putting a PEA kind of as an optional part of that. And it became quite complicated and probably not really the best. So we were so close, we just said, look, we might as well just put out one thing, make it simple, and just have one study which has everything there. And so what we're talking about is on all four deposits, a feasibility level study that shows the mine plan where all four deposits come into the mine on a common mill basis. So do you think the, uh, the feasibility maybe by PDAC or afterwards? Um, you know, I think the, the big issue for us was, um, you know, we have to remember two years ago, we had no high-grade resources, zero. <laughs> so in two years, we put together, you know, kind of a, uh, well, a two million uh, ounce uh, M&I and a, and a inferred of another million ounces. And, and um, to do that, you know, there's stages. And, and in the mine planning, we finished the infill drilling at the end of September. And it took us really... Um, October, November, and part of December to get the mine block models and uh, 
wireframes and everything ready, and then the mine planners are probably going to take about two to two and a half months to finish that. Yeah. So I think we'd probably be a little bit after PDAC. We were pushing to try and get it for PDAC, but we're definitely shooting for before the end of March. Uh, it's a Q1. Yeah, a Q1 event. Okay, all right. Well, that's a, that's a big catalyst coming down. Yeah, you know, I, and I think, you know, with this, uh, for a lot of investors, um, you know, I appreciate there's a lot of projects out there, but, you know, if you look around and say how many, how many projects could be in production quite quickly that have 200,000 ounces for at least 10 years for a fraction of the cost, and you get all the expiration upside here, we have 15 different targets of stuff that has nothing to do with these deposits. And so we feel that, you know, especially in rising gold prices or in the prices we see today, that, that can be pretty attractive. Uh, one last question for you, and just in general about the Golden Triangle. I mean, it's not without a challenges, obviously, right? I mean, obviously, Ascot's probably got a little bit better than a lot of other companies, especially on the exploration side. Um, when you're speaking to investors who know what those red flags are when it comes to infrastructure and access and just short timing during the year where you can actually get in there and do the work, how do you kind of bring them back to understand that this is a great jurisdiction that it's healthy to put your money behind? Well, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I guess there's no test than what's the cash flow that's produced. And the, the two mines over the last hundred years that really stood out is Estee Creek for Barrick, which was probably one of the most profitable gold mines in the world mm -hmm. ever. And Premier in the 19, the, the mine that we did, Guggenheim's made a fortune out of this. Um, and they faced in, in that time much more difficult conditions than we face. Um, I think the thing that you have to deal with is number one, because you're in a mountainous area, open pit mining is going to be quite challenging because of the stripping, not in every case, but that's a big thing. No, and also if you have a lot of snow, you know, being underground, you can work year round, so that's the first thing. But it's really just having access to infrastructure. So, you know, when you have to cross mountains and glaciers and all that kind of stuff, the cost of doing that, you have to have a really world-class deposit to make that happen. And we're taking advantage of being close to the infrastructure. And I think where people get concerned is, well, the CapEx is going to blow out of the water because I've got to cross five mountain ranges. Well, in our case, we don't. There's already all the infrastructures there. So I think what I would say is, look, this is fantastic geology. It, it's, it's proven up over the last hundred years to have unbelievable deposits, especially for precious metals. Um, and if you can find a situation where you can get into production and mine that with low uh, infrastructure access cost, um, that's, that can make it just as good as anybody anywhere else. Derek, I appreciate your time. I look forward to catching up with you here uh, again probably in a few weeks. Yep. Uh, see what other news has come down the pipeline and update our listeners and your shareholders as well. But until then, enjoy the rest of your time here in the conference. It's almost over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks very much for having me on the show. <laughs> that's Derek White. He's the president and CEO of Ascot Resources, which trades on the TSX with the symbol AOT and also on the OTCQX with AOTVF.